Hello, readers. Coming up, it's my chat with Julie Henry on Wisdom from the Wild. First, I wanted to let you know about our website at booksonpod.com. When you're there, you can sort through past shows by episode number, book title, author's last name, or sort by category. For instance, select the animals in nature or humor category for episode number 182 with Susan Orlean on On Animals. Hi, this is Susan Orlean, author of On Animals, and you're listening to Books on Pod with Trey Elling. Hello, readers. Julie C. Henry is a former zoo and aquarium senior leader, current president of Finish Line Leadership, which is a training and consulting firm, and the author of Wisdom from the Wild, the nine unbreakable laws of leadership from the animal kingdom. Julie, thank you for the time. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for bringing me on. It's my pleasure. So I guess as a baseline for everything else that we'll be talking about today, what is leadership? Ooh, leadership is about leading change. It's about where do you want to go? How are you going to innovate? How are you going to bring your people along? And how are you going to build trust along the way and have a process? That's the very definition of leadership in my book. And your book is broken into three parts, change, teamwork, and resilience, starting with change and speaking to the first of nine laws. Law number one is change is constant, but it doesn't have to be chaos. What is the mangrove method as it relates here? So the mangrove method is really trying to quite literally root change in a transparent, trustworthy process. Because what happens with change is that people get mired into it. They don't know how to participate in it. They don't know where the decisions are being made. And so they just either give up or fight back. And so to me, when I look at nature, which is always dealing with change, and I look here in Florida and see the mangroves and how they are directly in the ocean pathway, they are dealing with storms and waves every day. And so the red mangrove is first, they are putting their big prop roots out into the ocean, creating land, if you will, creating a habitat. And that's the first step in the mangrove method, which is to assess where you are. You cannot lead change if you don't know where you've started from. And then the middle step is the black mangrove, which is the next species back from the red mangrove. And that black mangrove is about building the plant. Once you know where you've come from, then you can build the plant and only then. And the last species that work together is the white mangrove. So that's the third step. And that's about committing to action and communicating to your people. But just like mangroves, it's not a delineation, it's not a delineation, right? The red, black, and white mangrove all mix at times. And that's what happens with change is that you start to assess, you build your plan, you try to communicate, something throws you a curveball. Okay, let's go back to the plan, communicate. And that's why it's a process, it's a circular process, but it's a process with end points that people can trust. Is there a best way for a team leader to deal with a team member who isn't necessarily good at dealing with change? Yes. So I always recommend one being super transparent about the fact that there is a process with end um, with frames, right? It's not that you're going to assess forever and to give that person 
and all of your team members, but especially that person, the opportunity to participate from the beginning in the assessment process. Because once you start building the plan, that's when you've already taken into account all of their thoughts and input. And if they've given you thoughts and input, it doesn't mean that everything's going to get implemented, but it means that they've had a chance to participate in the process. And I think team leaders quite often make the mistake of thinking that people know how to participate in a change process and they don't. That's an education into itself. Unbreakable law number two is if you're distracted by fear, you'll miss the opportunity. What do you mean when you write that one person's spider is another's sea otter? So fear is different for all of us. And some people love change and some people are completely paralyzed by it. So you can't assume that just because you're working with a team member, they're going to be totally comfortable with what comes next. So being aware that let's say the change is, um, you know, as simple as, okay, we're going to move from working in person to working remote. Well, that scared a lot of people. Some people that was their spider. Oh my gosh, how do I get on camera, et cetera. But some people, they love sea otters. They loved working from home. They loved working remote because they can wear yoga pants and that's fine. So being aware that change is different from every people will help you lead change more effectively. Unbreakable law number three is when you can't see the finish line, let purpose be your guide. Why should a person remember the baby sea turtle during the most difficult moments of change? Because when a baby sea turtle is hatched on the beach, there is no parent sea turtle to guide that baby sea turtle to where they are supposed to go. They quite literally have to emerge from underneath the sand, crawl under the cover of darkness to the ocean, and then swim as fast as they possibly can with their little flippers to safety out to where there's floating um, seaweed basically in the ocean. But eventually they're going to grow up and the female sea turtles will migrate thousands of miles back to the area in which they were hatched. So when as a leader, you feel totally lost, when you literally cannot see where you are going, if you remember that baby sea turtles grow up and then have to navigate back without GPS, without cell phones, but they quite literally just lean into the magnetic fields of the earth and trust their purpose, just like you can too as a leader, remembering why you started will help you finish that process. That second category is teamwork, which is where the next three laws fall under. Unbreakable law number four is there's no one-size-fits-all approach to teamwork. Now, I'm a big fan of this because as leaders, you have to understand how to effectively communicate to individuals, and not every person will adhere to or be receptive to the same way that you're doling the message out to maybe the person right next to them. Yeah, I love that you've used that example already because... I bring up naked mole rats with this law because from the outside, naked mole rats are these kind of unusual looking mammal. In fact, people didn't actually think they were real when they discovered them the first time. It took us decades to go back and study them. And sometimes that happens with teams. And we look at teams and we think, well, that team really shouldn't function or why should that person be on my team? And I'm not sure that's really going to fit. But, you know, leaning into or just owning the fact that, you know, I lead a team of naked mole rats and they're awesome. And I'm going to dis disregard all the naysayers at this point. Um, that's part of it. Uh, and then there's no one size fits all to exactly what you were saying, that people look at it differently and you need to embrace that. It's the very definition of diversity and why we need that. 
Unbreakable law number five is surround yourself with people who are not like you. You do not want to be sound, surrounded by yes men. As easy as that might make things in the moment, it is terrible for the long run of a company's success. What do successful leaders need to understand about the relationship between giraffes and termites, Julie? <laughs> that from the outside, the giraffes and termites don't really even look like they should get along, let alone need each other, but they do for the very necessary um, thought of survival. You know, the African savanna is a tough place to be and the termite helps break down nutrients and the giraffe comes over and then eats the, the, the fruits of that, if you will, when the tree grows up and they also are contributing to, you know, feces and urine, which helps things grow. And so even though they don't look like they need each other and they probably don't even really quote unquote meet. They do. And their teamwork results in, a, in an oasis in the African savanna that helps not only them, but the bigger ecosystem survive and thrive. Unbreakable law number six is a team without a solid foundation is really just a group. <laughs> Why do leaders uh, perhaps need to consider a coral reef with the foundational structure of his or her team? When I ask people to look at a picture of a habitat in the ocean, and I quite often show them a coral reef and ask them what they notice, you know, they, they are looking at um, all the big flashy fish, right? The sharks, they notice the sea stars, maybe they notice all the, the animals with color, but they don't often notice the coral reef, nor even realize that it's an animal. And it's anchoring not only the whole picture, but the entire ecosystem. So without that foundation, that entire ecosystem literally would not exist in that area of the ocean. So when you are leading a team without considering foundational elements, quite often we just assume everybody knows the foundation and that's not the case. And if you skip over that foundation, you will very quickly erode at your team's operations, your team's success and their team's impact. And you'll end up with a group of people rather than a functioning team. The final three unbreakable laws fall under the resilience category. Law number seven is resilience is teamwork and action. How are pelicans creatures that us humans can learn a thing or two about resilience from? I love thinking about pelicans because they're not assumed to be leadership examples. Um, but when you watch pelicans, well, first of all, they look like they shouldn't even really be able to fly because they look like really <laughs> heavy birds, right? But they can, but they fly up and they are looking for their prey for the fish. They dive, they are either successful or not. They sit there, they re recuperate, regenerate, and then they go again. And so they are constantly managing their energy um, and being the most effective as they can when it comes to their objectives. So to me, they're a definition around leaning into instinct and knowing what you need as a leader, because that's different. The pelican is different than the osprey, which is different than the condor, which is different than the eagle. And they all need to lean into their instinct to really flex that resiliency to be as effective as they can. Law number eight is you are wired not just to survive, but to thrive. What made you want to showcase the unassuming sea cucumber in this chapter? So if you haven't picked out on it by now, I have a soft spot for animals that uh, people either don't know about or they look at them and they're like, hmm, all right, I'd, I'd rather go over here and see the sharks, you know, but no, I want to bring them back and see the sea cucumber because the sea cucumber is such a cool critter. I mean, it can throw up its guts and regrow its guts. That's amazing. And to <laughs> me, <laughs> the most 
definitive example to when you are a leader and you quite literally feel backed into a corner, like you're going to throw up yourself, like you can't possibly make it. If you channel your inner sea cucumber and remember that you are built not just to survive, but to thrive, it can give you great peace and confidence to make it through whatever you are trying to make through. And law number nine is even cheetahs slow down. Not only does everything not always need to be go, go, go for an organization, that's actually an extremely unhealthy way for a group, a company, a team to try and operate, correct? (laughs) You hit it on the head. You know, when people think about cheetahs quite often, or if you Google it, you're thinking about how fast that animal runs because they're super fast, right? Fastest land mammal. But the majority of the time, that a cheetah spends is not running, it is resting. And it is a biological certainty that that animal will rest. And so when I talk to leaders, teams, companies, any type of organization, it's a biological certainty that you need to slow down. Either you do it intentionally or it will happen for you because it is how you are built as humans. All right, last question, Julie. You covered nine different creatures or, I guess, uh, organisms in the case of the mangrove and in, in breaking down and writing this book. Is there that 10th creature that either didn't make the cut or that you thought about as it pertains to leadership after the book was finished? That's a really good question and really timely because I was just prepping for a talk tomorrow and the creature that I'm going to feature is the platypus. And I'm going to feature the platypus because it occupies such a unique niche. And like the naked mole rat, it was considered a hoax when people found it. Like this can't be a real creature. You can't have a duck bill and a man furry body and all these things. But it is such a great example of animals that are just uniquely them. They don't work together in teams like naked mole rats, but they do as they do. They don't apologize for it. They're very good at it. And I use it as an example of when you're closing out the year, the quarter, a project, whatever it is, and you're going to take that unique aspect that you can think about when you are thinking about how to maximize your impact in the world. To me, that's a platypus moment. What's your platypus moment? How can you lean into that part of you as a leader that only you can do? Julie C. Henry is a former zoo and aquarium senior leader, current president of Finish Line Leadership, a training and consulting firm, and the author of Wisdom from the Wild, the nine unbreakable laws of leadership from the animal kingdom. You can get it now wherever books are sold. Julie, thank you so much for the time today. And thank you for this uniquely entertaining and informative take on the subject of leadership. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure talking with people who love animals as much as I do. So I appreciate it. (laughs) 